Hi, I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and you're listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. So this is a bonus episode right before I drop the season five on January 27th. My next guest is pretty awesome and very prideful. So enjoy this week's bonus episode, Pride Portraits. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode, a bonus episode of Queer Teen Podcast. I'm super excited about my next guest. I'm gonna let them introduce themselves. Um, don't forget to mention your pronouns and take it away. Hi, my name is Eric Edward Shell, and I'm the founder and president of Pride Portraits. Um, Pride Portraits is a visibility campaign that celebrates the LGBTQIA community uh, through photography and written word. Um, you know, it's so important that we tell our narratives our way. So. You know, I took two of my favorite things and put them together, photography and activism. Um, but let me back up real quick. Uh, yeah, so my name is Eric Edward Shell. My pronouns are they, them. I am 36 years old and I live in uh, Houston. Fantastic, my husband is from Lubbock, Texas. Oh, wonderful. Did you guys just get snow or was that just Austin area? You guys have like really weird weather in Texas. It goes all over the map. Yes, we, uh, well, uh, Houston did not get snow, but Austin and Dallas and San Antonio did. Cause I was, I've been in there in the summer. I don't like Texas in the summer at all. No, <laughs> it was like August and it was, a, it was one of our, our engagement parties and I brought my whole family and we went on a duck tour downtown Austin and it's like 110 degrees and we're like, yeah. And it's like just pouring sweat. Yes. So, uh, it's, I like, love... it's like living in a in a sauna or a yeah. steam room. Yeah, but time. the winters are like gorgeous. I mean, the winters are gorgeous. My dad lives in Fort Worth. And so I go there. We go there quite often. I love Texas. I, I love Texas. I love where I go in Texas because of my family. <laughs> right. Austin is great. Um, so what made you what made you start start the Pride Portraits? Like I've been scrolling through it, all the different pictures. You have taken pictures of some people. OK, I don't particularly care about the word celebrity but there are people that I look up to so for me that's how they're famous you know we have our people we have people people my mom's have probably has never heard of half the people that I look up to and like cherish in my life so what 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 I know you so you're a professional photographer by by trade yes so uh originally when I started out on a career path I was in musical theater um I I did that in college, I did that in New York. I did that uh, here in Houston for about six years in a resident company. Awesome. Uh, and then I found myself in a position where I was not able to remember lyrics anymore. Um, and it happened during a performance where, uh, or a production where it was an original piece. So every like day they would rewrite my song. And then we did a huge uh, presentation in front of Tillman Fertitta, who's, uh, he owns like half of 
you know, the restaurant industry and hotel industry here in Texas. And I just completely just made up the entire thing. Awesome. <laughs> so improv, I said, improv musicals, get it. Yes, yes. I just, I, I put, I put all the different uh, lyrics that they'd written over the last like six months into one version of the song. That's actually uh, amazing. <laughs> yes. And terrifying I said, though, it's terrifying feel. That's a terrifying terrible. feeling, but you terrible. gotta, you don't, you just sweat through it and you just keep going and you're like, I don't know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. And, um, and you know, it kept happening and we did about six main stage musicals a year and then various cabaret performances as well. So we were always working, always going, always rehearsing, doing a show at night and rehearsing during the day. And I just said, you know what, I, this is, I love this. And I've been so fortunate to be a working actor for X amount of years, but I need to do something else that's artistic. And I spent uh, about three years trying to figure out what that was. And I had always been obsessed with photography because I have this really weird uh, uh, fixation on I will lose my memory one day. And the only thing I will have to remember my entire life is photographs. So I was always taking photos, always capturing memories. Uh, And I said, well, why don't I become a photographer? So I went to about a year of classes and it was a, a degree program. And the, the one of my really great teachers pulled me aside one day and said, Eric, I think you really need to think about uh, not continuing this program and just go and finding your own voice in photography. You have the basics, you have the skills, you have the everything you need to find who you are through your camera. And I was like, wow, what? <laughs> Should right. you be uh, advocating that I finish my education? Um, you know, cause you always hear the uh, <laughs> commercials, no edu- or no degree, no job, you know. Which is so, bullshit, but whatever. Yes, of course. And uh, so I said, well, okay. So I spent about three years being a photographer and I had a business, Eric Edward Shell Photography, which I still have. Uh, and I do, I, I still see private clients here and there. Um, but I uh, ran into a man uh, named Lou Weaver and he was at the time uh, working for an organization called Equality Texas. And he was doing a project called the Transvisible Project. And it was humanizing trans people. And at this time I identified as a cis gay man. I didn't know much about the trans community and its mission was to combat SB6 here in Texas, which was the bathroom bill. And, you know, by humanizing trans people. So I met uh, the first day I walked on to location, I met uh, Monica Roberts of Trans Griot and Dee Dee Waters and Reagan White. And I was supposed to spend about 10 minutes with each of them but I ended up spending about 45, or no, an hour with, with each of them learning about their stories and learning who they were, learning about the amazing women that they, uh, you know, always were, but, you know, decided to let the rest of the world meet. And uh, so through this advocacy project that was humanizing trans people, I was photographing it, but I was, I was working through its mission myself because I was learning about an entirely new community. 
and it was wonderful. And during that time, I thought, wow, this word trans and this experience seems so relatable and accurate and like, huh. So I kind of put that in the back of my mind for a little bit and uh, really immersed myself in the entire LGBTQIA community, did a lot of quick education about who we were as a community, our struggles, you know, because as a, at that time, cis gay man, we had just, you know, won marriage equality. I was like, oh, we're great. Everything's wonderful. And how privileged, how naive, and how just atrocious that sounds to me now, um, because there are so many different facets and parts of our community. And as I was learning about them, I started celebrating them. And we had just gone through the Pulse Memorial, uh, no, so the Pulse shooting. And we were at a memorial. And then we did uh, a video that year about pride and not being afraid to be visible. And during that, we were on the backdrop of a painted uh, rainbow wall. And I said, you know what? This is beautiful. So I started just photographing the people that were doing their video uh, section when I wasn't on set. And uh, I posted them online. And my social media went crazy that, that night. And uh, people just loved it because it was uplifting, it was fun, it, people were smiling. And it was during a time when our entire country was fighting to heal from this horrific murder of 49 people in, in Orlando. Uh, and I think it was just, the, it happened at the right time, at the right moment. And I said, well, I can do this again. I just stood outside. It was in the middle of uh, a hot, disgusting, wet summer. And I said, well, I'll spend three hours outside and whoever wants to show up and be photographed, they can come. And I made a Facebook event and titled it Pride Portraits. No thought, no uh, ulterior motive other than to celebrate our community. And about a hundred people that I'd never met showed up. And it was the most remarkable thing. It was incredible to see so many people being excited and proud about who they were. Because, you know, as LGBTQIA people who are th thrust into the world at such a young age, we're, we're trying to figure out life just like everybody else. That's and it. that alone is really difficult. Yeah. But when you add in uh, any sort of marginalization, it just, I mean, it just adds to the, the, uh, the, uh, feelings of being alone and, and, you know, growing up, I didn't have anyone that looked like me. I didn't have a brown, chubby, gay human to go, oh, I see myself. Right. You know, so it was so good to see all these people being proud of who they were. And uh, so after that first photo shoot, I just kind of took a pause and was like, okay, I'm gonna post these photos, this is cute. And I, I was looking at them and I, goes, I go, 
Wow. As we were photographed, as I was photographing each person, they told me so much about themselves, but I'm the only one of privilege to that information. Right. So I thought, well, I'm going to do this again. And I'm going to ask people to write down, what do you want the world to know about you? Which I found is a very rare question for queer people to be asked specifically about their queer identities. Like it's, you, you, think it's not because yes there's tons of social media but just posting one thing and leaving it isn't really asking someone oh well when did you start to go on this journey for yourself and like really open up about it and be and and then see someone like you and being like oh my god that's because I have these I have like 14 year old 13 year olds that are like I started for them they do have more they seem to have more they seem to like know where to find it faster and so they're telling me they're like oh i saw things i don't even know who these people are but an artist or a specific person who draws cartoons or whatever and they're like that's what they saw themselves in and it's like that's sort of a remarkable thing i don't know people just don't get it like what happened with the inauguration the fact that kamala regardless of whatever you think politically the fact that kamala got sworn in as the vp the first woman vp in america of color i don't think people quite know the impact of that the ripple effect that is going to happen yeah you know Uh, yes i i completely agree and one of the things that was so important to me was like i said before being able to tell our own narratives in our own way that's it people have so many misconceptions about who lgbtqia people are that we know why i mean get it we know why hollywood television magazines language we know that like obviously the language is expanding um pronouns uh the way you identify your sexuality um all the different things are expanding we've always been there it's just now we get to um go on this journey called language with it and and really identify for people and really show people that's why i was so fascinated with their stuff because each one has a narrative and each one you're telling a story and um you're capturing beautiful portraits everyone is so beautiful i think I'm just a human person. I love human beings. I think all human beings are beautiful. Um, even the rotten ones, uh, somewhere they were, they were born beautiful. They were born as a baby. You know, they brought into this world. They weren't, you know, they didn't have all that hate. Um, but I just think it's really cool. Like that's why I started I, the same reason why I did this, the, the photos is literally the same reason why I started the podcast. Cause I kept hearing people talk about the community and I didn't know anything about it. And I'm like, uh, you don't really know what you're talking about. You have why? Why are you making laws for things you have no idea what you're talking about? You're just yeah. making it up. Yeah, you know, I think that growing up as a brown, gay, queer person, I I walk into a room. I I, I mean, in kindergarten, no, in preschool, my teacher pulled aside my mother and said, you know, Eric is, uh, there's an issue that I want to talk about that I really want to like get to the, you know, fix it. Uh, Because Eric only likes to play with the girls. He only likes to play with, at this point I was using he, him pronouns. Um, You know, that, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Uh, 
you know, and so let's, let's make sure that doesn't continue. And my mom said, let Eric do what Eric wants to do. Truth. Like, come on. Yeah. And, but, you know, um, now in my life, you know, I'm in, uh, recovery. I'm a, a recovering addict and alcoholic. And, you know, one of the big things is one day at a time. Yep. And I look back from preschool on, I have been in survival mode ever since then. One that's, day at a time. That's it. Uh, that, um, I really love language. I've, I've been, I've been really focused on language since 2011. I had a whole bunch of stuff happen and it felt like everything came crumbling down in, in front of me and I had to figure it out. I was like, ah, I don't really like this. So I need to figure it out. So then I discovered a program with language and transformative learning and just really dealt, dealt with stuff, made amends and really started to go on this journey. So I, um, there's these three moments that happened in your life, right? And you just, you just talked about one of those moments where you decided at that very moment, even people are so funny. They're like, well, they're only four five, six and seven years old. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like you're going to remember the moment that made you feel either bad or good about yourself to an extreme level. Right. And that's the thing you're going to use to protect yourself. That's the story you're going to start to create for yourself. That's how you're going to then train people, how you want to be seen to them. Right. And that's where it's designed. That's where the design comes in and, and then rules made up rules. There's really no rules. We just make them all up. It's bullshit. But, um, we have rules in place to protect people. And then we have rules in place to also hurt people. And um, that moment, that aha moment, even though you were young, it doesn't really matter. Cause that's what you decided. You were like, oh, well, this is, I, this is what I need to do then. So I don't maybe Just seem a certain way. Yeah, like seem a certain way to people to protect yourself. Cause I've been, you know, all my life I was asked, are you gay, are you gay until I came out? And I'm like, I used to be like, are you gay? You know, that whole game. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, I'm very gay. And uh, and then I started using the word queer, you know? And uh, I really value that word extremely. I think yeah. it's a great word. And it throws people off. Yeah. I mean, people before I came out told me I was gay. Right. They, would beat, they would beat me up. I would be, I was a, a victim of abuse and violence because yeah. of my assumed sexuality. And... By the time I was ready to come out, the only thing I knew about it was, oh my God, this could kill me. This could be something that would make someone want to kill me. So, and that's what you thought. It's a, it's so poisonous. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. such a, it's such a, a lethal thing. And because you start to pack away parts of yourself uh, for survival. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. And I said, you know what, I'm, uh, there came a point in my life, I mean, when I was young and I was in New York, I was, gosh, 17. I was going to Splash in New yes. York. and At 17, and, good. Yeah, getting here, you know, fake ID, everything. New York, yeah, of course. Making lots of, uh, and this was God, I guess, in the early 2000s. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and um, it was not a place for a 17 year old. Oh, no. You know, but and I would, 
you know, go have a fun night out, go party, do a lot of drugs, do a lot of uh, drinking and end up at someone's apartment and wake up the next morning and go see a Broadway show, you know, for a matinee. But like at 17, that I shouldn't have, have been doing that. So when I started seeing all these people share positive aspects of their lives and their identities and their beings, I was like, okay, if, if I can get a whole bunch of people to share their experiences and their lives, that'll be so much representation that maybe, maybe someone will see this campaign and say, wow, I'm not alone. There is someone who's like me. Right. There is someone who is going through or went through the same things I went through. And if I, by telling my story and talking about uh, cocaine and meth and, and alcohol addiction and sex addiction and all these things that were coping mechanisms to be a part of a community that I thought I wanted to be a part of in that way, it was the only way I knew how to be a part of that community. It was validation, seeking that validation from a community that I, knew I was a part of, but didn't know how to connect to people in any other way. Well, and you you felt for it's it's interesting because now I said Hollywood television. Man. We also see that as representation. So we also think that is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. XY magazine and all the different things. And you're like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're oh welcome. You're welcome. Literally, I have brought up XY magazine <laughs> so many times and no one remembers it. I was obsessed with that magazine. Yes. Because, but when you opened it, your experience of that because it really this wasn't there was no social media you know we're not, we're not right. old but there was there was no social media thank god uh, it really it only kicked up a notch like really social media just kicked up a notch in like 2010 yes. really like you know 2009 2010 so it's not like it's all the different so yeah looking at that you're like well this is it this is what i'm gonna go experience this is what this is how it is yeah and there's more to it than that and and, <laughs> and it shows the way you started capturing these photos and, and hearing these stories and just to really just keep getting it out there. Now, this is a cliche question, but I'm going to ask it. Top three, your top three people where you were like, wow, I've always known about you, whatever yeah. they do in their career. And now I'm meeting you and it's so much more. So, uh, like you said, celebrity, celebrity, I yeah. put that in quotation marks or yeah, uh, is so subjective. Right. So people that I think are, who are my heroes, you know, someone next to me might not even know who that is. Exactly. So when I started this campaign, I said, there's two people, you know, after it got started a little bit and it started gaining some traction, uh, I said, gosh, you know, I should probably make a goal. And they said, my goal, two people to meet and have do this campaign because I respect them so much was an ally and a gay man. The first was, uh, the ally was Hillary Clinton. She, you know, she had not always been an ally to our community. No. But she was the first, uh, First Lady and her husband, Bill Clinton, the president, were the first 
presidential couple to acknowledge the AIDS crisis in an empathetic way. Right. And so they visited the AIDS quilt when it was on the national lawn. And, you know, Hillary, they had picked out some of Hillary's friends that were memorialized on that quilt. And it really made a, a connection with her. So I said, I would really like to meet Hillary Clinton and have her do this campaign. So when I met her, it took, it was about three years into the campaign and uh, she was coming to Houston with the Harris County Democratic Party. And she'd been in Houston before and we had had a photo shoot set up three different times, three, <laughs> three different times. And the two times it got canceled for, I don't remember what, and then the third time, when I was sure it was going to happen, uh, Bush Sr. died. And so we couldn't do it. Uh, so finally, she was coming back. And I had spent a really long time networking and building the trust of some pretty important people to be able to say, I really want to do this now. And so they said, well, you're going to have to ask her on spot. And I said, you mean like no request, no ask, just like right there, I got to sell the whole campaign. And they said, yeah. And I said, great, perfect. So the day of, you know, I went through all of the secret service clearance and all this stuff. And uh, she, uh, her staff came in and was like, what is this? No, we're not doing this. No, 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 no. And I said, you know what? Here, take, here's my website. Here's some samples of the work. Just ask her. She looked at it and immediately walked in the room and said, hi, Eric. And we did the photo and it, we had a really great conversation about the other person I had uh, my goal of, which was Cleve Jones, the creator of the AIDS quilt. Um, you know, I had known about Cleve for so long and known about his work. And then when we rise, the, the book, his book, and then the TV series came out. And um, then the rest of the world kind of knew about Cleve, like the newer generation knew about Cleve. And um, I had been in San Francisco and I messaged him on Facebook Messenger and just said, hello, Mr. Jones, you know, I'm Eric Edward Shell and I have this campaign called Pride Portraits. I would love to photograph you for it. However, I don't know where we're gonna do this because I was in San Francisco, uh, to go to uh, Facebook headquarters had called me out to do some work there. And um, he said, yes. And he said, but find a place and we'll make it all happen. And I went, oh my gosh, how, where are we gonna do this? So I thought, well, I have a, I have a friend who works at the human rights campaign store uh, on Castro street. And I said, oh my God, this is gonna be so insane because it's gonna be such a full circle moment for Cleve because you know, that store is where Harvey Milk had his camera shop and Harvey and Cleve were very good friends. And um, so of course the store said, yes, they knew who they knew of me and Pride Portrait. So that, you know, helped. Um, so I set up the, the backdrop and everything there and Cleve came in from, I think a happy hour and we just had a great time and they closed the store momentarily for us to do the shoot. And the conversations I had with both of them 
uh, Hillary and Cleve were just so monumental. And, and they were very personal conversations. And, and the, uh, the things that they told me and shared with me were just confirmed all the reasons why I had wanted to meet them for so long. That's um, yeah. That's great. That's really great. That's that, um, yeah, that, because you did such a, I think pho photograph, photography is such a personal thing anyways, when it comes yes. to, even though everybody takes 101 selfies a day, photography still is a personal thing, regardless of your selfie or someone else taking it. Like it's, people are gonna see you um, regardless, even if it's 75 filters, but if you don't, and, and I think the people, and, and, and you just see them and you, they tell their story. And I think that's monumental in and of itself because it's, it's showing the human side to these people that are on such a, uh, that, that are in a made up place where we put them because of, uh, of the, of the level they've achieved in their life. Right. So we've, we've made this up. We don't need to make the president of the United States a God figure, but we have made that because we trust that person. So that's why right. these past four years have been disgustingly horrible because we're supposed to trust the person leading the quote unquote free world. And yet they're telling people to um, be violent and take charge and do all these things. And I, and I'll never, I swear someday I'll do a whole podcast about that psychological stand from a psychological standpoint, because it's really twisted and it's, it's scary um, yet now it's a little gratifying and hopeful. Um, but that's really, yeah. that story is, those stories are really great. I love the drama and the theatrics behind trying to get Hillary Clinton to come in there. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. And they're like, we can't, and her staff coming in and, and rambling and they're like, wait, you know, hold on. Just the enti just that entire scenario happened again with Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. I bet. It was, it was, I was there doing step and repeat photos and they had promised me that, you know, the one of the reasons I photograph allies is because, especially allies in power, is because if I have this photo and I have this statement from them and they show and they do something legislatively that is against our community, we have something concrete that says, you said you would never do this. You said you were an ally to us. Right. Why? Did you yeah. change your mind? Right. Accountability. It, accountability. It's huge. It's a really big thing. I mean, Joe just Joe Biden, President Joe Biden just actually passed one of the greatest laws that was passed historically in the state in, in America right now for LGBTQI plus rights on a federal level. Never in the history of this country has it ever happened. Going back yeah. to the marriage thing, yes, you're right. It's more complex than that. Of course, it's amazing that we can all get married. It is amazing. However, there's so many other things in the state level that are so messed up because it's not, there's no protection. But now the federal level stepped in. He's like, we got to bring this and they got to put this into real law. If it's not going to be, this is what people are combating right now. And they're like, are they going to really do it? Yes, it's, a very, it's the most diverse cabinet and staff ever. There's four queer people on there. One of them is transgendered. And are they going to do it? So... We'll see. And when those people of power also, I think, is when the people of power that are queer that get into those positions, are they going to do it as well? Because you don't know when you walk into that room what everybody is shouting at them. And I think that's what's confusing. It's like, we don't know when, like, if I was a resident and we walked in, you know there's a stack of papers 
besides all of the executive orders, there's a stack of papers. It's like, here's kind of really what went down that we haven't told anybody. And so yeah. how do you play that game? You know, and I think the work you're doing and I think, uh, no, I know the work you're doing is powerful because I see it myself and you're such a, a light. I knew I'd connect to you. I didn't know the musical theater component part, which I absolutely love. Um, yeah. yeah, I was a professional dancer for like over 10 years. So we probably oh know God. a ton of the same people. Uh, I lived in Manhattan for 10 years and my husband wow. over 15. So between all of us, I'm sure we know the same yeah. people. And clearly we do with the connection of the, the group that we got connected through. So, um, and you know, as, as much as this, 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 uh, my campaign celebrates our community, it, I know that it reaches people. And, yeah. and one of the reasons I like that it lives online and, uh, is because people with it, we have this amazing tool, social media, with the touch of a button, our content can reach people across the world. That's it. And, you know, we have followers in about 48 different countries, seven of which, you know, it's illegal to be LGBTQIA. Right, exactly. For them to see, for those people to see this, this content is is a life-saving thing for them. It is, and, it, and it, people don't know that. I'm like, it is. Just even if they could hear something, someone say something or see something, and they're like, that person looks like me, and I have hope. Like, I uh, talked with a really great podcast called Afroqueer uh, from Africa. I've had them on podcast before. It's illegal in 35 countries, states in Africa, to be yeah. queer and they're doing this podcast and they the restrictions they go through and it has to pass they have a the higher courts has the basically like a television used to have a, had to go through the system there and it's amazing like they'll do they'll have a whole season recorded have to hand the whole thing to them they have to listen to the whole season and then they have to re-edit the whole thing if they don't like certain things that are said isn't that it's like so crazy to me yeah that's insane. It's insane, right? But just yeah. to get their voices heard, and like there's a, a, a part in Uganda, a, a refugee camp um, that has like a camp, uh, camp 13 is the location inside of the camp. And there's a, it's a huge LGBT component and they're being basically like beat up and tortured and the police aren't helping them. The UNH, UNHC isn't helping them. So this is a huge campaign going on right now for it. And but they can see Facebook and online, they have the ability to get there. And that's how they've been communicating with all of us to like donate money and like to get them to see it and show the pictures of someone that actually it's horrible. They have blood on their face. They've been beat up. It's like, um, even though all these people are refugees and they escape their countries to get safety, the people that are still those refugees being a homosexual in their faith or whatever, isn't right. So they don't even like those people. So they're not even accepted in that camp. So it's like, this like insane um, layers yeah. of things. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, One of the oh, things that yeah. I, that I find so horrific is, you know, we hear about stories like you just told in other parts of the world, but, and we, we think we have so much, I mean, we do, we've gone, we have gone in the United States, we've gotten a lot of equality. We've passed a lot of legislation that helps us, but, the one thing that is still so scary is the amount of 
then I wasn't expecting this, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm just celebrating people and uplifting people and sharing their stories and experiences. And it's the amount of death threats, uh, the amount of bomb threats that I've had at my studio. I had to give up my studio because I was getting bomb threats uh, was shocking to me. Wow. That's shocking to me too. Well, it, it happened, uh, in the last four years with uh, the, with the administration. to me, yes. Uh, and you know, in those four years, I, I photographed a lot of people that were higher profile that oh, yeah. uh, the, the far right doesn't like. And yeah. uh, thank God they came after me and not the people in the photos. Right. But it's shocking to me that people have so much hate over a photo on the internet. Oh, I mean, people have hate over my podcast. I mean, I've been called a pedophile. You're stupid. I don't know how you're, why you're doing this work. It's disgusting. Mm. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm not doing anything to even go near you, first of all. And how did right. you find me anyways? This is a queer platform. I was like, you could come on. We'll talk about it. Uh, I do... I've done stuff with gun legislation too. And like, I've been really and like, just kind of like figuring that out for the state of New Jersey and to like go walking through that and, and trying to raise money for that. And people are. Yeah. And you just don't want to have a crime. Now I've been up against the far leftists too. Like, let's be real. Like I sat in a room where it was like an extreme rightist and extreme leftist and they were just going at it. And yeah. I'm like, this is the this is where we're in lines this is the this is where the problem is like it's just so far that like everyone else in the middle is like uh can we all just get along yeah yeah i truly believe there's a lot more middle than there is anything you know as far as anything is concerned with the, the parties democrat republican like i really do think there's mostly middle and everything else unfortunately is run by some people that are so far 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 but um where I've, you... had to, I, I've had to work with, with, I mean, I photographed very far right queer Republicans and, you know, and people are like, oh, why would you do that? Well, of course I would do that. They're queer. Right. Their, their, their story and their existence and their being is still as valid as, as mine or anyone else's. Just because we don't see eye to eye politically doesn't mean that they're not part of our community. Do you feel like your portraits are a form of activism? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, I mean, I look at this photo that I have hanging up in my apartment of uh, Leah Delaria and she is just giving the middle finger. Yeah. And- uh, I love her so much. Oh yeah. Um, and her quote from the campaign is, is so phenomenal and so real. And, uh, it, it, that, it, I mean, that, that, that in itself is, I mean, just showing up, just being visible is, is just existing is a form of activism, unfortunately, in our community. Me right. walking out my door, if I was... So when I walk out my door presenting uh, more feminine, um, 
I don't know if I'll come home. Right. That's you true. know, black yeah. trans women, you know, have a life expectancy of 35 years old. Right. Because of the high murder rate for simply existing. Yeah. But Leah's uh, quote was so amazing to me. And it is such a, it's such, she, she added her comedy to the end of it. But it goes, I celebrate my 35th anniversary in show business, show business as an out dyke comic this year. I pretty much spent my entire life saying, fuck you to norms, fuck you, that women have to look a certain way, weigh a certain way, and act a certain way. Fuck you for saying that I can't be in love with who I want to be in love with, and especially fuck you if you eat pineapple on pizza. <laughs> I like pineapple you know? on pizza, Leah. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love, yeah, that's that's great. That's just it. Like, yeah, it's just so apparent when people like Leah, for instance, or like anyone that's in, in the media, the broad media, like the bigger, like, and they've had, I saw an interview with Madonna. Okay, I saw an interview with Madonna and, um, Rosie O'Donnell on Arsenio Hall. And this was probably in the, the 90s, a little late, early. When was this show? Like in the middle Andrew 90s. Andrew Bernhardt wasn't there? No, it was just the two of them because this was during League of Their Own. Oh, right? Mo so and Row. Yeah. So, but Rosie was not out publicly. And ah. Arsenio was pushing this like normative thing onto her. And it's, Madonna knows all the the answers. Arsenio does not. Rosie looks uncomfortable. And it's so fascinating to watch that exist. Because you're like, oh, God, it's just like, shut up already, Arsenio. He's not even being malicious. He's a nice, he's being nice. And it's like, there's nothing bad about it. It's just, that's how so far, that's, that's how far we've come because of the language and the existence of how it should show up for people. Yes. The idea of what it should be is only it doesn't exist we think it exists right. because of how it's been given to us and so something when you do back to your portraits because this is a huge thing when you showcase that and you're like oh i didn't know i knew they were gay but i didn't know that part about them or they are a strong ally oh but they're past but oh but i like what they're saying here that's the only way it's going to exist for us to move the narrative forward and upward and onwards to um, do this thing called life together because no one else is doing it besides us. I mean, there might be and like one of the planet somewhere, but we're the ones right here. <laughs> right. And one of the things that I love about the campaign is, you know, I photographed 6,000 people across the country. That's a people lot always, of fucking uh, people. <laughs> yeah. People always love to ask me about the, the, the quote unquote famous people, but, but the true heart of this campaign is it doesn't matter who you are. Right. It doesn't matter if you are the most famous person in the world or someone who, who hides in their apartment most of the time and has never been able to celebrate who they were. It puts us all on the same playing field, the same level. We are talking about one thing and that is our identities as LGBTQIA people. And, you know, it, that is so important to me because 
you know, I, I was at the, 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 I was in DC and I was doing a photo shoot and an older man came up to me to do his photo and he wouldn't say anything. And I was like, oh, hi, how are you? You know, and I was like, oh, this is a little, usually people, we, like, usually we talk and, you know, that's part of also getting someone comfortable in front of, of the course, camera. Yeah. And I started just photographing him and I, he just started cr hysterically crying. And I, there was a, a line out the door and I, I told my assistant, I said, can you, can you stall everyone for a second? And so I pulled him aside, I said, are you okay? What's going on? And he goes, you know, all my life, I have been told that I was different and that I was wrong and that I shouldn't be here. And uh, this is the first time I've, I've attended a pride celebration because it was uh, for, the National Equality March in DC a couple of years ago. And you know, he said, this is the first time I've, uh, I've ever been photographed because of my queer identity. And it's just a lot of emotions for me to handle, but thank you for doing this. And it's, that was one of those moments where I, you know, when you get caught up in something and you're doing something and you're moving a mile a minute, you know, in the back of your mind, the impact that something has on people, but it is so important to stay grounded. And this is something that I had to, to learn. It's so important to stay grounded in the mission of my campaign. It doesn't, like I said, it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, with the most famous person in the world or this man, like, Everyone deserves to be seen and celebrated and uplifted and affirmed for who they are. Period. And the fact that the, the world at large can't collectively come together and you, you, you collectively say that and, and be that and show that to every single person is, is a shame. But I hope that as we step into this, I mean, I, this new chapter of the world that we're in with this new president and, and you know, I just hope we, we look back on the last four years, the last 3,000 years, you know, whatever, yep. and go, we can do better. We, we deserve to live freely and happy and without legal constraints saying that we can't be who we are right without other people without walking down the street and having someone yell faggot or dyke or tran uh, the t word which i well all these words are horrible so sorry but uh you know no one deserves that no you know, that's it. And, uh, you know, just keep doing the work you're doing and that's, that's it. And like, it makes, it has made an impact. I, it is making an impact. We have to keep giving voices. It has to be seen for that man, that gentleman, there's, that's, that's, uh, I mean, that's the reason why I do the podcast too. It's like, because 
it doesn't matter who's talking it's or seeing or being seen it's just that it has to be seen and, and talked about and people need to know you know i speak to some so i spoke to someone that was like 41 and they only came out a couple of years ago so that's just you know, that's, but then there's kids at nine years old identifying as trans so we need we need to keep going in this like open it up let it shine yeah. uh, i use so i usually ask my guests we'll wrap it up so i usually ask my guests some words of wisdom. Do you have any words of wisdom? You said actually a lot of words of wisdom, but do you have any like quick tidbit uh, for uh, for my queer, my queer youth listeners? I think if you are a young queer person within the LGBTQIA spectrum, listen to yourself be strong in who you are. Stand up for yourself when it's safe. When it's not, allow allies to come in and advocate for you. Um, I worry so much about people taking their own lives because they don't feel like they deserve to be who they are in this world because other people have told them that. Whether it be their parents, their teachers, their peers, society, the media, anything. You do deserve to be yourself. You deserve to be celebrated and affirmed and uplifted. And I think that, you know, I tell people all the time about the, tre uh, the Trevor Project's hotline. They have uh, a phone number you can call that is active 24 seven, 365 days a year. I think that's how many days of the year there are. And- uh, cares, but 365, you know, yes. There, there's a trans lifeline, which is run by all trans people that has a phone number you can call or text as well. And there will be someone on the other end of that line that is trained and, and willing to talk to you. Um, That's great. There's there's a lot of, thank you for saying that. I, I, uh, I'll even put that in my little description too, just to put it all in there for everybody. Cause it's always important. I, I feel I, I do every once in a while, I'll do episodes on those specific needs and, and wants from people because you'd be surprised that people don't even know about PFLAG and like, and it's just an interesting thing. Like there's so many things, but it's just, um, it's just maybe where you're from or where it is. And I just, just cause you got Google doesn't mean people are doing the work. That doesn't mean anything. We have to help, we have to help them. Right. I think the last thing I would say uh, to, to queer youth is utilize Facebook in this way. There are so many private groups on Facebook mm -hmm. that uh, you can join and no one has to know you're in them except the people in those groups. And uh, they are wonderful support tools. They're wonderful places to find community, especially during these times of isolation when we can't really be around anyone. Um, also parents, 
there are so many groups for parents of trans kids, gay kids, queer kids, bi kids, intersex kids, you know, all everything you can think of. There is a private group on Facebook that so you many. can join and do it because that that'll that 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 could save your life. Period. Like uh, and just so you know, kids, we're the original OG private chat rooms that uh they weren't necessarily <laughs> designed for um those kind of groups but we were the ogs of private chat room so (laughs) my screen name was so stupid but anyways uh where can they find you uh well uh they can find me on facebook uh under eric edward shell my last name is spelled s-c-h-e-l-l they can find me on instagram uh, under uh, Eric Edward Shell as well. They can find Pride Portraits at prideportraits.org or on Facebook as Pride Portraits. On Facebook, both my personal profile and my uh, campaign's profile, you'll know that it's that because it has the little blue check next to it. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. Thank you so much, Eric. That was awesome. For more information on Eric, uh, you can find it all on prideportraits.org. And of course, I want to thank my on-air sponsors, Jose de la Cuesta and Michael J. Grabowskis, and Squeaky Toy from the Dog, and uh, Season 5 Queer Religion drops January 27th. So get ready for some good faith, good fun, and you can believe in whatever you want to believe in. See you then. And I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and thanks for listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. And remember, listen, learn, love.